This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 29th of June. In your Squeeze today, under 40s and the jab. Looking into the future, Kim Jong-un's health and becoming unstuck. This is your Squeeze today. There's now far too many differing COVID restrictions, border closures and so on across the nation, Claire, for us to go round the grounds. The big one overnight, though, is that the Perth and Peel regions are in lockdown for four days. That announced by Premier Mark McGowan last night. But to put it simply, you'd be hard pressed to find a place in Australia that isn't impacted by this wave of COVID somehow. So with all of this, the National Cabinet, that meeting of our federal and state and territory leaders, got together last night. The big ticket item to come out of that is that Aussies of any age can now get the AstraZeneca vaccine via their GP. It's a bit technical, though. It is. What Prime Minister Scott Morrison said last night is that the under-40s can go to their GP and request the AstraZeneca vaccine. What the government's going to do is tweak the indemnity scheme that will cover GPs if patients develop any adverse reactions. So they're covered. Uh, It's significant because the Pfizer vaccine vaccine is the one that's recommended for the under 60s. So to get more vaccines, more shots in arms, that's what the government's response is. Yeah, on top of this, National Cabinet has also mandated the vaccination of some groups, especially those considered to be in high-risk jobs. Yeah, that's becoming compulsory for aged care workers, quarantine workers, and also those involved in transporting people to quarantine. They need to have that first dose by mid-September. Also, people exiting hotel quarantine and their close contacts have to be tested for COVID two to three days after leaving hotel quarantine. All of this is an effort to try and close down those gaps where COVID has leaked out into the community. Yeah, so with all of these announcements, it's safe to say our leaders are concerned about vaccination rates and that Delta strain of the virus. They're moving to do something about it. As far as Australia is starting to open up to the world. Scott Morrison, when asked about it overnight, said that he's not prepared to countenance an increase in COVID deaths in order to open up and that we shouldn't surrender to the high levels of deaths seen in other countries. This one we hinted at yesterday, Claire. The latest intergenerational report was released. It happens every five years because of COVID. It skipped last year. 2020 really didn't happen. So here we are six years on from the last one. What it does is have a look at what our economy might look like in 40 years and how trends will affect it. Let's take a dive into that crystal ball, starting with our population. Yeah, it's the big one. What the intergenerational report says is that our population will reach 38.8 million in 2061. That's down on 2015's forecast of 40 million people by 2055. And that's really significant because if we've got a smaller population, then we've got fewer people actually turning the wheels of the economy open. And also it throws out the balance of people then getting into their elder years uh, and really costing the system when it comes to health and aged care and welfare. So it's a smaller outlook for Australia than what it might have been. And and again, that's really down to COVID. What is happening right now in terms of migration being down will really have an impact on us into the future. 
Yeah, and when you're looking at the reporting of the intergenerational report, it can sound kind of grim, but it's kind of the point, Claire. It's supposed to provide some red flags so policymakers can correct the course. There's a lot more in it, maybe even a shortcut, Claire. Oh, there's a lot of data and you know we love data. We do love data. We'll have a think about that one. To world affairs now, and we're looking at the Iraq-Syrian border where the US yesterday conducted airstrikes. What officials say is five Iraqi militiamen were killed and that was after those airstrikes targeted facilities that are used by the Iran-backed militia groups that are on that Syrian border. What it was in response to, the Pentagon said, is drone attacks targeting US troops in Iraq and it's the second such attack commissioned by US President Joe Biden since he came to office. Yeah, reports say he's talked to Iran about about trying to keep things cool. New Zealand Claire is currently one of the highest users of plastic. Each Kiwi throwing away an average of 159 grams of plastic every day. I don't know how that compares, but apparently it's a lot. They're doing something about it. They are. What New Zealand announced yesterday is it's going to phase out all single-use plastics by 2025. That's driven by calls from consumers who want the government to do more. Uh, They are very plastic-hungry, as you say, and when it comes to things like plastic straws, cutlery, cotton buds that have those plastic shafts, uh, also fruit bags and labels all going to be scrapped. There are a few things that will be spared, though. The ban won't extend to single-use cups, to wet wipes or some types of polystyrene that's used to transport cold goods. Kim Jong-un, Claire, the leader of North Korea, has reportedly shed a fair bit of weight. Whether he's getting fit or he's not well is where all the speculation is at. It really is a lot of speculation. It's been something that has been uh, floated before in the Western media, but something very extraordinary happened on North Korea's state media. They showed an interview with a citizen who was saying that he is very concerned about their leader's weight loss and saying that the people are very sad and are starting to cry about it. That's very unusual, of course, because it's not normal for citizens to be commenting on the health of their leader. Uh, So lots of speculation about whether he's unwell or whether he's actually trying to lose some weight. Uh, There's been a lot of commentary in recent years about the state of his health and also of his weight. Uh, Some, though, say it could be part of a bigger sort of propaganda effort because North Korea is experiencing food shortages at the moment. Yeah, whatever is going on, it's got chins wagging again about what might happen in the event of Kim Jong-un's death. And that's because there's no clear successor if that was to occur. Claire, it's been said time and time again that COVID tests are a bit uncomfortable. Next time you have one, which I'm sure we'll all be doing in the next few months, spare a thought for this woman in New Zealand again. We're in New Zealand again, who got the swab and it was more painful than most. Needless to say, she discovered she had a tiddlywink stuck up her nose. I don't know if you remember tiddlywinks, Kate. I certainly do. (laughs) It's not a game that I thought a lot about in recent years, I have to say, until we saw this. And 
Yeah, what happened? She actually had that test last year and it dislodged that little disc in her nose and caused her great pain. And she's been suffering with that for some months and had it removed last week and very proudly showed it for the cameras about this little thing that had been stuck up her nose for many, many years. Yeah, it's been there since she was eight years old. She's now 45. What a relief for her. Squeeze the day, Claire. Yours is a little quirky. So it's the anniversary of Joseph Squizzy Taylor's birthday. He was a gangster in Melbourne and indirectly responsible for the name of the Squiz. Uh, one of my best mates at school had this nickname of, of Squizzy because her surname was Taylor and that was a thing in the day. And, uh, of course, when I do the Squiz, when we're squeezing, I think of her because she's someone who's very, very busy and very, very smart and she just wants me to give it to her straight when we're talking talking about the news. So there you go. Yeah, there's a little insight into how your brain works, Claire. (laughs) Before we go, a reminder, Sport Today, our daily sports news podcast has launched. If you're a sports lover, give it a listen. Sam Ferris and the team will make sure you have all your sport talking points nailed, Claire. It's a really good podcast. Super excited to hear that yesterday. It's definitely going to be a daily thing for me to stay on top of sports news. Yeah, just search for Sport Today in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I think they've got a bit about broadcast rights today. Some good news about our men's beach volleyball team and the usual trivia, Claire. The question today is, what is the name of the women's beach volleyball pair that won gold in Sydney? Want to have a crack? I reckon I'd have to think about that, but I reckon I might get there. Natalie was one of them. Oh, there's a clue. There you go. You'll have to go and listen to Sport Today <laughs> to find out the answer. Thanks so much for tuning into the Squeeze Today podcast, as always, and we'll be back tomorrow. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.